0: Good, good 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 morning, Glassboro. I'm Chad Whitman. I'm Greg Sharon.
1: I'm Alex Heller, and this is Every Whitway. <music> this week, we sit down with Student Government Association president Ariel Gideon as we discuss the problems facing Rowan and its students, how she and SG plans on tackling them, and what it's like being Rowan's first black female SGA president, and later, we talk about marijuana legalization in New Jersey and what it means for the state's future if legalized, and finally, a recap of the news throughout the week. I got the chance to sit down with Rowan's SGA president, Ariel Gideon, an intelligent young woman. She is surely ready to take up the responsibilities as SGA president. I asked her about her experience as SGA president so far, and she feels that her position exceeded her expectations and is extremely confident about her position. I asked her about what it felt like being the first black female to hold the position, and she goes into detail what that means for the community at Rowan, and what it felt like when she won the position, as well as her motivation getting into student government. Besides parking, I spoke to her about some of the main grievances Rowan students have and face while at the university. Anything from mental health to campus expansion, we discussed how SGA and Rowan is looking to address the problems. Though she's aware of the problems, including the Marriott living situation, she sort of gave a generic response to those questions. However, she's certainly making sure that the areas of well-being, such as mental health, are addressed. Lastly, I asked her about her future after Rowan. Like every college student, she was both eager and nervous to talk about it and extremely excited about what the future might hold for her as well as what college would mean for future students. How would you describe your um, experience as SGA president so far?
2: Um, what it is, I feel we're what? October tenth, yeah, and so far, um, my experience ha- as SJ president has um, is exceeded my expectations. Yeah, um, as uh, as it is October now, I just feel as though um, I feel completely like. In the zone of things that that makes mm-hmm. sense. I, yeah. Excuse my lack of a better term. I don't. Have no, any, that's I like don't the, have a thesaurus with me, but that's probably
1: the best description, like right there. Yeah, cause... I just
2: felt in the zone. Like I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um. Over the summer, um, I had an opportunity to work as an orientation leader, so I was on campus, mm-hmm. and so I spent um every one of my breaks reading our constitution and bylaws, getting comfortable, understanding um what does my role, um what my role is, and I, I felt I felt prepared. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just really grateful because I I get. I get I have an amazing team, so they make my job even um, easier. Yeah. So I'm really grateful.
1: And you said you're a junior.
2: Yeah, I'm a junior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you studying? I'm studying radio, television, and film with a minor in political science.
1: So, oh, so RTF, and oh, so you're practically along the same side as me. I'm a journalism major. Yeah,
2: you know, same college major. with an amazing dean. <laughs> yeah. I know.
1: So you were, I think, you're the first female, black SGA. Yep. Uh, president, yeah, how does that feel?
2: Um, I'm really grateful because, um, I think what it means for my community as well. Mm-hmm. Rowan University is a predominantly white institution,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, Black Rowan is what we was, as uh, my community would say, has been super supportive of, of uh, my transition to this role as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have a lot of support from them, and they they being a part of that community, we have each other's backs, and uh, even being the first black, um, female president. I just think about what that means for like people of uh, people of color who come into this role. Mm-hmm. There's um so many um different groups have not been represented in, in this capacity of this role, mm-hmm. and so I just want to know that the opportunity is always there for anyone, yeah. no matter who you are. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that, and I, it's, I find it interesting because um even though an article says first African American um SJ president, I'm not African American. I'm Haitian American. I'm a first generation um Haitian mm-hmm. uh American student. But with that being said. Um, black is black, and I'm a black student, a uh, black woman color, yeah. but I'm just really grateful for this. So how did it me? feel when
1: you got elected? Like, what, how did that moment feel?
2: So actually that moment, so I was secretary, so I was actually in my office with a couple friends. I cried a little bit and I called my mom because um, faith is super important for me. And so I called her and told her uh, as soon as it happened, it was was like midnight, uh, so we got the results. And your mom's from
1: Haiti too? Uh Yeah,
2: so uh, my mom was uh, born, uh, raised in Haiti, mm-hmm. but uh, my family came here in the 80s. But uh, mm-hmm. so that's the first person I called, and then I called my mentors, mm-hmm. who had been a, such an impactful um, role in my life. Mm-hmm. And so one of my mentors is Jean Edelman, and she was the first, female SJ president it was really nice to have her along the journey as well and so I made sure to tell her the next day and they went to her a minute you yeah. know she's a working woman and so she <laughs> needs her rest of course but um, I definitely informed my mentors who really helped in my role
1: yeah so what made you want to do like government or like get involved with student government so what made you like what was the motivation
2: oh so helping people for sure definitely that is number one i knew that i wanted to get involved in student government as soon as i attended college i was i was involved in high school as vice president of my class (laughs) for my junior year i remember after the welcome period, i spoke to members of sj who were tabling i had the opportunity to speak to sj representatives i knew i wanted to get involved since then but biggest thing was helping people being a first generation college student there was a community that made it uh, possible for me to be here today and so i think about the community students i'm also a part of being a part of the pci pre-college institute i was here around six weeks um before the school year started and so i'm having my cohort of my pci brothers and sisters all we did was um, help each other and i want to help our our own community
1: are you going to be sj president into your senior year as well or is that like something that you're not worried about it Right now, you're more focused on the here and now.
2: Oh, so um, that's something that um, I am um, really interested in is running for a second term. That's was kind of sort of the appeal of me running as well. So when I was running for this position, I was a sophomore and I was running against two super seniors. And so with this role, it is very important to be to be knowledgeable. Of student government, mm-hmm. it is not easy, but I think this is something that a lot of people can do. Like it's not just like a, a certain select few. Like a lot of people can be um, SGA president. Yeah. You just have to put the time away to learn. I didn't have a transitioning process, mm-hmm. and so I spent all the time myself researching. Um, everything's available to you to learn how to um, perform our constitution and the bylaws. But uh, for me personally, um, I I really want to do two terms because I want to make sure that whoever is in this role can be able to do everything they need to to make sure that student government is successful. Gotcha. So, yeah. so
1: you said earlier that you got into this role to help people and help mm. students, specifically mm. Roman students. Mm. So what would you say is the main grievance stu- Rowan students uh, have, besides parking? I was gonna say, course.
2: I said like, besides parking? Besides
1: the parking. Okay. Because that's like the most common grievance. Yeah. What's the major grievance besides parking that you're looking to address and hopefully Not completely solve, but Mm -hmm. like at least mediate the problem.
2: So there's two things. I'm gonna start off with being an advocate for students. So it is in our um in our mission statement that um SGA one well, of our mission is to be an advocate for the student body. Mm-hmm. It needs to be clear that in our role at SGA we are the advocates for students. When there's an issue you come to, um you come to us and then we will help within our uh, within our roles. There's we have a 13 member executive board. We each have our own individual roles, but our main mission together is make sure we're advocating for the students. Yeah. And the second thing is in the areas of wellness. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing that we have this we have our own thrive program we have great leadership under this making sure that students understanding um, all areas of being of our well-being we have an expansion for the Wellness Center um, under the great leadership Dr. Scott Woodside we'll have meetings with, with Jason Brooks who's our VP student affairs so the big areas of wellness understand what resources are available to students because yes. yes students are paying um, that wellness fee like I am as well yeah. so it's really important that like where is that where's that money going towards Besides taking care of our EMS was such an intru- was such a great part mm-hmm. of our uh, Rowan experience as well, who helps their gold standard EMS, the only one in our country. Yeah. And so we had to make sure that they're being taken care of as well. So that's where a portion of those fees go to. Yeah. Um, but also to an expansion of areas of counselors and things like that. So the biggest thing is wellness. Because students got to know that there's resources available to them and not to be ashamed to um, go yeah. get some help.
1: Um, what exactly are like you or Rowan, the administration, looking to do to stay in better contact with... People around Glassboro, so that students aren't like particularly invading Glassboro, but like where like the students respect the city as well as like the university. Where I'm really
2: grateful that. that you mentioned that because that's so important. Because typical students are here to four to five years, and so most of us are temporary residents. Mm-hmm. And so is it is one of the areas of being a good neighbor. I personally, I live in 114, so I don't, I don't technically on like off-campus housing um, compared to my other friends who live in those off-campus residents. where they have the landlord and things like that. Yeah. But um, what administrators and what, have been, what I have been doing as well as attending, we just had a first town gown meeting. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, I went to a, a Glasgow meeting where um, residents and landlords who have spoken their concerns about students and things like that. And how often do you? Um, that was them. my first meeting there, but... Um,
1: How often does SGA talk to them? That's what I want to know.
2: Oh, so um, I I haven't received the, the timeline for the next meeting, yeah. but hopefully it's something that's very consistent because, yes, with that first meeting, I still have the list of all the concerns that they have. I have it written here. And then it's, like, very interesting because it can be solvable. All in the matters of make sure that you're following um, the law in, in that area. Yes, we're college students and things like that, but that's not an excuse of not being a good neighbor. Yeah. And so these are um, issues that are very solve, solvable.
1: Yeah. yeah. So going back to Rowan expansion, mm-hmm. I we've reported that close to f- about fifty Rowan students were living at the Marriott at yeah. the beginning of the semester. Now that number has decreased exponentially, like so much lower, but there's mm-hmm. still about five to ten students living at the yes. Marriott right mm-hmm. now, uh, how did you react to that sort of news and are there ways to prevent something like that from happening, not again, but like mm-hmm. hope to co- mediate that?
2: Yeah, so my um, first time reacting to news, I was like, no way, and I, I'm a, um, a devotional reader of the wit, I see it, I read it, <laughs> I love supporting uh, CCCA, any of the members, their family, but with with that area is is very shocking, and um ministries have been um working through those areas, and so especially with the areas of our building our new our another first year residence. Mm-hmm. With that being said, it's gonna take over that, that chestnut area, that that uh, parking lot mm-hmm. area. Yeah. So it will be near Holly Point. The only the only time that we use the word guarantees, uh, we guarantee that freshman year students will have housing. So it just be understanding of understanding of be an adult so it's like when you pick your housing make sure you pick your housing and things like that yeah. and there's it is really unfortunate for some students who have been displaced uh, not displaced I don't want to use that term but like who have been placed in the Marriott yeah and things well like that. most of the
1: students were under of our upperclassmen oh right?
2: uh, yeah yeah don't yeah. there's no freshmen They yeah. and because freshmen are the only students who are guaranteed housing yeah and stu- when you're coming in you know this like yeah. you know that especially with students coming in for the next classes is random assignment they yeah. know that they're being they're being placed in a freshman Traditional residence hall. Yeah. So with that being said, being up, upperclassmen students, you just gotta be on due diligence of the work yeah. um, that you have to do, making sure that you're receiving housing whether it's off campus or on campus, if it's Nexus properties and things like that. There's just so many options available to students. And for students who are placed in the Marriott and things like that, yeah. a lot of resources available to them. They're not left alone yeah. and things like that. I just want to, I one of the main points uh, them understanding they're not being alone. Yeah.
1: Do you feel that the that Rowan is expanding far too quickly f- to suit the needs of students and probably Glassboro?
2: For me, I'm not gonna just say this because I'm present, but honestly, no. Yeah. I think pace that we're going is on for is for the basis of how students were, were taking and things like that. It's not on the areas of like, okay, because students are living in Marriott, oh, um, Rowan is not doing a good job of doing just that and third. It's just, it's just on the basis of um, selecting housing and things like that. A lot of more students are living back on campus. Usually, there'll be like an amount of students like, oh, off-campus housing, I'm going to live here with six of my friends in this one house. But a lot of students see what great properties we have, and like Nexus and things like that. So a lot more students are living back on campus. Yeah. But it's just a transitional period and things like that. I guess
1: where I'm getting at is that, because Rowan is expanding far too quickly that- Oh
2: you believe it's going- it's expanding far too quickly?
1: Well there- well the reason why the whole Marriott situation happened was because they accepted far too many students and a lot of RAs had a lot of responsibility. We spoke to an RA at Holly Point that felt that they had like way too many kids to take care of and a lot of more- a lot more responsibility was pushed on them as well as the situations with the wellness center, the wellness center is again they have a lot of students have very high expectations with the wellness center, mm-hmm. but because the student population is rising very quickly or the and very high uh, over the past like five years, the wellness center had to resort to like wait lists or
2: oh but at current there when my last meeting there was no wait list oh no they don't have that
1: anymore but because of that they had to resort to that Mm -hmm. i'm saying like do you feel like because the student population is rising very quickly that the resources at rowan is Becoming very strange. Oh
2: it's not in no way is it being depleted, especially in areas of okay, so you mentioned accepting too many students. Mm-hmm. Those are students who are guaranteed freshman year students who are living on campus who are guaranteed housing. They're when you think of the areas of transfer students and things like that, it's on the it's on the reference of okay, now they're going through this housing process. Housing's been available to them, no one's being left on the street. I in the areas of it being a crisis, we want to make sure that students are getting exactly what they pay for because college is expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the expectation that what your dollars will equate to what you what um what's being given to you. So in the areas of accepting students, um, this is for their housing, their traditional residence hall, are for them. Yeah. So um no, because it's that's for them. We know that for incoming freshman students, they're living in the residence halls provided, right? Mm-hmm. And so students next year, students so. Now they're sophomores. Now they know that it's in their role to find housing for themselves because it's no longer guaranteed to them. So you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what would you say is like the most pressing problem facing Rowan University right now?
2: It's in areas of well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because we live in a day and age where um, it's more acceptable to speak out about um, the areas of like mental health and your physical well-being and things like that. More students, which I'm super glad about, are speaking about how they're feeling and how what resources they need. And so we just we have to make sure that they're going in the right direction and yeah. to understand the process of okay, so this is available to you and these are the steps you gotta take. Yeah. So we just need more information. Students just need more information on how to get there. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So it's just like more of a communication. Oh yeah. Um,
2: definitely. Thing. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a communication thing. Yeah. We, uh, students need just need more need more information about what's available for them. Yeah
1: what are you hoping what is your future aspects after rowan what are you hoping to do after rowan
2: oh so like career-wise so this Career- is personal
1: personal and career-wise
2: okay well that's nice uh so for me as i mentioned i am a real husband for major and so my focus is more areas of tv production mm-hmm. this is something i've been passionate about since i was um so I was, I was a kid with my twin sister. We do a lot of things together. We had the same major and minor. So we always, we always have the ideals of working together. Yeah. And so attending Rowan, it really has seemed to help me understand what opportunities are available to me, especially being a first-generation college student. All I knew, especially like high school and growing up, was that I had to go to college, right? Yeah. And so it was just, my parents were just supportive. Like, yeah, you. they didn't really force, like, oh, you have to do STEM or things like that. Mm-hmm. There was like, whatever you... Long to go to college. That that was just something that they were very pushing me, and so it was for me like a personal development yeah. of my purpose, yeah. and so. But for me, it's more areas of like television production is something I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning areas of development. All the things I've done so far was in areas of. Building my professional development, whether it was leadership skills, mm-hmm. how to communicate with people, how to work with people, which I'm really grateful that I'm grateful that I have learned through uh, different areas that I've worked in. But um, I'm definitely passionate about TV production, and yep. I, I'm excited to see where I can get to breakthrough in that field.
0: So, what's the dream
1: job?
2: The dream job is to be a TV producer, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, It's interesting now because I'm taking a screenwriting course, mm-hmm. never thought I would enjoy it so much. I love it so much. Maybe I'll get to do some type of writing on the side as well. Yeah. I never thought I would say that. I used to, I hate writing papers. I hate writing. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that because I just seem so, like, ugh.
1: Are you hoping to get involved with film?
2: No, not really, but I'd be surprised if, if that area is available to me. Do
1: you think college is becoming a little bit less relevant now?
2: Um, I think people just find different ways to be successful. Some, for me, success equal higher education. So I knew I had to go here, mm-hmm. go to college, but, um, there's different ways people can go to, it's not always equate to college. People find success in other areas. Yeah.
1: So I guess what I'm saying is that is college even worth it anymore?
2: I think college is very important, but there's different pathways. Mm-hmm. So, students go to different like, vocational schools and things like that. What's being pushed to them a lot now, I my, my personal opinion, I think a lot of skill-based type of things are being pushed to them now. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the focus of arts, which makes me sad, though, because that's so important that will, that will be here as well. There's still things will always be reported. It's all about um, what you see for yourself in the future. Yeah. But I just think college is something that, that I think will... An institution that will always be here, it will always go through developments of change. They like, think about majors that don't exist anymore. Yeah. But I think it will always go through that period of change. I think personally that it's, it still has its level of importance, gotcha. one way or another. Yep.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll talk about marijuana legalization and what it means for New Jersey as a whole.
0: This week's episode of Every Whiteway is sponsored by the 4333 Collective.
1: And we're back. Support for marijuana legalization has been growing exponentially for the past 20 years. Ten states have legalized marijuana, both medicinally and recreationally. And with marijuana sales looking to be a multi-billion dollar industry, many states, including New Jersey, are hoping to get a piece of that action. However, legalizing weed is no easy feat as New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy failed to pass a law through the state legislature this summer and has resorted to put weed legalization as a referendum in this year's ballot box. If New Jerseyans say yes, what would marijuana legalization mean for New Jersey? Chad, your thoughts.
0: <sighs> marijuana legalization, um, I think it can mean a lot of things. I think um, there's a lot of stigma around marijuana and those who use marijuana, and I think um it's it's definitely like a generational divide yeah 100 like um i think um millennial generation and below are very apt to use um Mm -hmm. especially in light of um you know like drunk driving and alcoholism in in an older generation that is kind of like steered most of us away from from alcohol in a sense and i think marijuana has become more of a alternative for our generation definitely and i think uh legalization would mean a lot um, in terms of government help in, in areas that we're lacking. I think New Jersey's in a lot of debt, especially because of Atlantic City. Mm. And I think marijuana... Le- and the pensions. Yeah, exactly. And I think marijuana legalization is, is a good answer to making up for that yeah. that debt and, and putting money towards things that actually matter yeah. and things that we need to happen in New Jersey. Yeah. And I think um, if people look past the fact that yeah, people are gonna be smoking weed in New Jersey. Sorry, like they already do, but yeah. <laughs> but once it's legalized, like people are allowed to be um, open about it. Yeah, um, I think once people get past that, I think the benefits definitely outweigh the uh, the cons. Of yeah,
1: them. Greg, what do you think?
0: I'm personally pro yeah. marijuana legalization.
3: Um, I I like Chad already iterated. I think it is a huge generational gap, and I think there's just not enough knowledge from certain groups about it Mm -hmm. and there's this conception that's always been with marijuana and i think now there's a lot of people that are like no here are like the actual facts behind it and this is what actually happens with it so i i think it would be only really beneficial to the state i think a big thing would be though how from the other side are they going to say what is what is it going to be like driving wise? What is the age limit going to be like? Because these are things, even in those states, that like the age 21 is that's that's um set, but yeah. with um DUIs and all that stuff, how are they going to measure that? Because I think that's going to be a very pressing issue from the other side. That's are we forgetting that alcohol is legal?
0: Like, yeah, <laughs>
3: alcohol is legal and the age is 21 and
1: yeah, still- like cigarettes are now like for like 21 year olds in New Jersey now. I, th- I think that's going to change throughout the country. So, like, it's basically going to be treated like cigarettes, in my opinion. I think a lot of baby boomers, too, um, would be okay with the idea of legalization. Because, like, that generation itself, like, experienced marijuana firsthand.
3: I think, I think there's a split between that. Because a lot of, like, the, the counterculture in the 60s and whatnot, obviously this has been a fight that's been going on for decades with um, certain groups during those times but there was still a large majority of people that were very against it at that point so I could see both ways I think it could be split but I I see what you're saying how there could be definitely sides
0: why why is it not legalized right
1: now originally uh, Phil Murphy got elected on like two to three main points one marijuana legalization two uh, student loans being forgiven, I think he was going to do the same thing that New York is doing right now.
0: Uh, Isn't it like free community.
1: Yeah, it's free community college too. But like, if you stay in New Jersey or like in the state for like X amount of years, your debt would be forgiven or at least reduced to
3: a point where you. Yeah, I, I I was talking about this last week. It it's like that if you go to school yeah. in the state, um, and you work here X amount of years afterwards, you get like a forgiveness or. Um, It's way, way, way reduced, and I don't know if that has come to light yet, but that was a definite talking point.
1: Well, yeah, and another one was uh, pension reform, or at least some form of it, to the point where, like, teachers will be able to, like, basically the polar opposite of what Chris Christie was doing. Marijuana, though, is one of the main reasons why he got elected, and why why they're having a struggle to actually legalize it is because... Yes, the legislation um, in New Jersey, the state legislation, is majority Democrat, but they're also a little bit more conservative, especially down in South Jersey, like areas no, like, yeah, uh, yeah, especially areas like Cape May. Cape May doesn't want that, like yeah. a lot. Cape May County, Cape um, May County, Salem County definitely doesn't want Southern Ocean that. County, where there's a lot, lot, a lot of older, whiter individuals who honestly don't really see. Um, exactly what marijuana would mean for a, like the next generation, like what legalization would mean for the next generation. They just automatically assume that it's a gateway drug, which it really isn't. You're more likely to get addicted to alcohol than and cigarettes.
0: There's so many. There's so many studies that say too that like most people that do try marijuana like either don't end up doing it ever again. Yeah. Like they try it once and they're like, okay, it's not for me or they only do marijuana they yeah m- like m- a majority of people that have tried marijuana stick to marijuana and, yeah. and alcohol
3: i i would also say like kind of going back to what i was saying before i think there is just a really lack of um understanding Education of what yes 100%. because i i think for so long there was like a very big propaganda against Mm -hmm. marijuana and everything that it was going to do to you like all this crazy stuff and when you sit down and actually look at it it's not the same thing at all so but now you see all this stuff too popping up everywhere like oh cbd oil here cbd this cbd this that's still a product of marijuana so it i think it's kind of funny how a lot of people are like yeah this this is cool but the other
0: No, no, no no i think we need to we need i feel like we also need to address the elephant in the room the marijuana industry now yeah. is so gentrified. So, the fact that now it's becoming legal in states where these huge weed farms and and white people can get shows on Netflix about growing weed and yeah. and have their own small businesses and cafes dedicated to weed, but <laughs> there's literally thousands, if not close to a million people in the United States prison system for
1: Non-violent, nonviolent drug offenders. Yeah. Drug yeah, which is insane to me. Yeah, I know. It's crazy too because um it also is gentrifying some of the people that have been involved with selling um not selling drugs, excuse me, selling marijuana yeah. for like years, like almost decades in the 60s, like so, like the hippie culture was largely based off of Uh, marijuana and just that again that like of course there was like other drugs regardless but marijuana was one of the bigger like name stakes right there Mm -hmm. but um, then it just like it also like um, pretty much pushes those individuals out of that competition where they've had especially in California where they've had farms like that for almost I want to say like almost 40-50 years and then you have regular, uh, like almost companies, just pushing them out. Yeah. Like they're not even yeah. buying them out.
0: Like they're not buying them out. They're just like pushing them out. So. And I feel like we also have to talk about big pharma, and oh, and, yeah. and that's one of the main reasons it's not legalized. Because there's yeah. so many there's so many benefits to like the use of CBD yeah. and, and marijuana in terms of healthcare, in yeah. terms of pain management like it's it's insane of course and there would be so many prescription drugs taken off the shelves immediately if it wasn't for marijuana you know what i mean mean,
3: cbd is legal right now currently also that's Uh, it's le it's legal
1: but more and more people are getting arrested because officers aren't well educated of what exactly it is
3: anything if you don't have proper education on it and you just have a bias or a stigma against it that's what it's going to be yeah. so i think that holds true for marijuana for
1: it, it really just holds true to literally anything mm-hmm. that is pretty much beneficial to a large group of people mm-hmm. um i i don't know it it just it's just it's just ridiculous that it's 2019 yeah. yeah it's 2019 and new jersey is looking to be the first populist state in the country or the second most populous state in the country to be legalizing marijuana and with a largely democratic state legislation um like they haven't passed it so it, it and back what you said chad too is like there is like a whole caveat of individuals who are probably bought out by certain groups by certain individuals and whatnot And it really does boil down to, like, the state and local level. Like, it's not just a national thing. It's just, like, it also happens at the state level.
3: Do you think at the national level it would be more beneficial if it was a topic that the federal government tried to tackle? Or do you still think state by state for right now? Because a lot of the very Republican states, I don't see this as ever gonna even come up on their radar right now
1: I will all right to counter your point right mm-hmm. there Ohio which is largely becoming redder and redder they legalized um, medicinal marijuana mm-hmm. and love that for them yo yeah mm-hmm. and that was passed by a like a bipartisan state legislature they both had Republicans and Democrats on that side and it was largely controlled by uh, Republican governor, John Kasich, and he saw... Shout out, John, John Kasich. Yes, John Kasich, <laughs> yeah. He saw um, he saw marijuana as a means to, one, crack down on the opioid use. Oh, my God. Yes. Gotta talk about that. Yeah. Jersey, Jesus. Um, yes. So it was a way to crack down on the opioid use, mm-hmm. and it was also seen as an alternative to individuals looking to not not like get high but like as a means to like it's actually healthier for you than opioids oh. as well as he also expunged some of um like the non-drug uh, non-violent drug offenders mm-hmm. who sold it because since if he's going to legalize it medicinally he might as well just like reduce their sentencing
0: yeah, I think that's the biggest part of marijuana legalism. Yeah. And that's cities.
1: like that's like another example of how like Republican states like Ohio and even states further out west, like even Colorado, which is largely a democratic state, but they're like like financially conservative, fiscally conservative. And they've been profiting off of that for a long time.
0: Yeah, let's talk about how since they made it recreational in 2014 they've made over a billion dollars in tax revenue you know what i mean and it all goes obviously it all goes towards government funded programming it's it's insane how how much um you've seen benefits in terms of mental health facilities and and youth initiatives and um it's it's so amazing to see that they're using this money from something like marijuana to to really like benefit and shape the government in their state it's 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 crazy to me and I think we also should acknowledge the fact that like marijuana alone you cannot die from. No. You will not die from it. And I think that's so important that you can literally you can ruin your liver drinking alcohol. You yeah. can get into a car accident. Not saying that you can't obviously get into a car accident under the influence of marijuana. but It cures cancer. <laughs> it literally cures cancer. Yeah. Pain management. Like I have which I'll, I'll say it on the podcast right now. I'm currently in the process of getting my medical card because mm-hmm. i have um a couple ailments that do um like uh, allow me to to apply for a medical card yeah but um and i'm so thankful for for marijuana for literally making so much tolerable in my life you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. like migraines stomach issues anxiety and depression that's such a big one yeah. and i'm actually very very pleased with phil murphy i did just see that um in his legislation in terms of medical marijuana Mm. programs in New Jersey, um, anxiety was actually just added to list of ailments that you can actually um, apply for a card for, which I think is is insane, especially to have a governor acknowledge that mental health and that mental Mm. illness is, like, something that needs treatment is, like, so satisfying. It's so, Mm. like, I just feel like our generation especially, I feel like mental illness is... This is kind of a, a prevalent. Yeah, thing. it's becoming more of more, more talked more about. about. Yes, yeah, I was literally going to say that. It's yes, correct. Yeah, and to see that represented in government—that someone yeah. is listening and someone wants this generation to get help, be healthy, be healthy—and yeah. if marijuana is going to help,
3: then Amen. smoke weed. If if you feel comfortable doing that, though, like I, I think I think this is another big issue too because I feel like, look, weed is not for everyone. It's it's not if. You see it on TV, all this stuff. Like, it's very glorified in a lot of sense. But to some people, which is why it's being pushed like this, it is a medicinal use. They really do need it to um, go about their daily lives and everything. But don't ever feel like anyone has to do anything. Like, I think that's a big thing, too. Like, as soon as it becomes recreational, I feel like people are going to try it and they're going to be like, Maybe this is not for me kind of thing. Yeah. And be like, whoa, well, why is this like this? But
0: again, goes back to education. Any argument you can make against marijuana, you can easily make against alcohol. Literally any
1: drug. Like
0: any, any drug. drug. Yeah. Drug. <laughs> any drug. And it's so crazy the the misinformation no. and, and the education that we were raised on. Like mm-hmm. I remember being in school and and hearing talks like you smoke marijuana. And you will die. I know for a fact. When I was in high school in in health class, they gave us a speech about marijuana, and they were like, "The first time you smoke marijuana, you have the chance of getting addicted, and you have the chance of dying." Yeah. Word for word, what someone, what an educator told me. I was like, "How are you allowed to say that?" Like, I get. I blame Dare. Yeah i I blame Dare. I blame Rebel. I think. I think also too, though, like
3: the the stigmatization. Of calling things drugs, like as soon as we hear the word drugs, bad. Yeah. That's what we equate it to. But drug said, yeah. but drugs are still not even necessarily bad. Like there are drugs that like Tylenol. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. a drug. That's like technically think... I'm on Lexapro, that's a drug, but mm. I would not be able to live. <laughs> 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 I would not be able to survive without my Lexapro. Like I mean,
1: I guess um it, like to me, I'd never like liked marijuana all that much. Yeah, it was it, I find alcohol a lot more fun for recreational
0: purposes. let's right. let's all let it be known on the podcast that we are all twenty one and above yes. years old. Yes. i'm I'm part of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is
1: the above. I am ancient., <laughs> Yeah, but uh, going back to um, uh, Greg's point uh, about what exactly it would mean for the federal government. I think the federal government. I think it's better left to the states, in my opinion. 100%. I do think that the federal government needs to better educate our citizens. That's their. That's the government's responsibility. It 100%. it should really ed, better educate um, the individuals, especially our uh, our youth and whatnot. The, the youth, <laughs> the youth, the youth. Kids. Um, they should yes. They should definitely. Um, be better educated um, reduce the sentencing um, especially something like what is marijuana now considered a misdemeanor if you
3: no if you... not in New Jersey no no you yeah. can still get it is still at the same level of a drug as cocaine and heroin and all that jazz which doesn't make sense to me because if we have it legalized for medicinal purposes in this great state, How does it make sense for the other way? And
1: that's why I think it would be very complicated or the federal government itself would overcomplicate things. Gotcha. Because still, the government itself, especially the federal government, is always one step forward and, like, five steps back, like, regardless. It will always be like that. I don't think – I think marijuana will be
0: taken off
1: of that – is it a Schedule 1 drug? Yeah.
0: It's important to acknowledge, too, <laughs> how much safer it'll be when it's, when it's legalized, too. Like, the recent um, epidemic, I'm hesitant to call it an epidemic, with um, vaping and, and cartridges and things like that on the black market that have been causing these teens to die. Like, that has nothing to do with weed. It's to do with the manufacturing and the unsafe manufacturing of those products. You know what I mean? So when it is legalized, like we will have dispensaries where you can go buy any sort of products and also i'm not saying that like weed is healthy because it's still like a stimulant like you're putting anything in your body it's not necessarily good yeah, for you yeah dr- all all drugs aren't yeah, really yeah, good like, for you there's always it's, side it's effects you, yeah. every, every every drug commercial you see on tv side effects may include there's side effects we're we're not we're not promoting in the sense that you should smoke weed every day it's going to make your life better but like at the same time, smoking anything's not necessarily good for you. Inhaling hot smoke is not good for your lungs. <laughs> PSA. But Rowan
1: PSA. Yeah,
0: Rowan PSA. Don't smoke things. But at the same time, there's so many ways to consume marijuana, to consume THC, to consume C B D. You know what I mean? Marijuana is still scheduled as a schedule 1 drug,
3: but it's legal some places and not in others. It doesn't make sense. It should be decriminalized. Like that just really bothers me. Like I don't under I don't understand how marijuana is legal in our nation's capital for recreational purposes and medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. But then if you go in states outside of that and you have that weed you can get arrested for having like for the equivalent as having a way harder drug yeah, that do- it just doesn't make sense to me let's like that through. that's my biggest problem <laughs> yeah. like i like you can stand on either side of legalization all you want but the criminalization of it needs to happen yeah, like
0: asap yeah. let's talk about the fact that we live in new jersey we're we are in glasgow currently and we're 20 minutes away from philly where it's completely decriminalized you can smoke on the streets i think if you get caught it's like it's like it's like, it's like a parking ticket like a parking equivalent, equivalent yeah you know what i mean like it's, it's it's like a public it's like an open container yeah. obviously you're not allowed to drink a bud light walking down the street but like you know what i mean like it's so decriminalized and in new york it's the same thing like yeah. how are we surrounded by these two major cities three major cities if you
1: count washington dc
0: so we talked
1: about some of the advantages um that are like that would pose for legalization here at new jersey what do you think would be the disadvantages here because
0: th- i'm sure there's going to be a lot of disadvantages. i think um the biggest concern is is obviously just like misuse of it yeah. you know what i mean just um i would do yeah. and and people feeling the need to smoke all the time yeah. but it's like you have, to, you have to acknowledge that the same exact thing can be said about alcohol. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. People misuse alcohol all the time. Also, bad. another disadvantage, when it gets regulated, it's so much more expensive. Yes. It's so... Expensive. To, to be fair to that point,
3: though, I think some people would rather pay a little bit, or not, not a little bit, but a premium to make sure they know... What they're buying is actually safe, is actually what they asked for, and they're not going to get ripped off
0: 100%, with yeah. it.
3: I think that is very beneficial for the legalization aspect of it. I'll let you know at least two big ones.
1: One, big companies are more likely to um, profit over it, especially individuals who are, one, white, two, have the money to do it. And three, who own the pockets of politicians who can decriminalize it. And another thing um, would probably be uh, one of the biggest disadvantages is crossing state lines.
0: So one thing that you said, I know you said um, most people that would benefit from the legalization of marijuana would be rich white people. So that means it's important to support businesses by... People of color yeah. and and women yeah. and LGBT folks because mm-hmm. they're the ones that aren't seeing the rewards of these. And uh, so, lastly on this topic,
1: do you feel as soon as it's legal in New Jersey, it would be like actually worth living in?
3: If so, explain. <laughs> <laughs> I love New Jersey. Fun fact: we have a great state. Yeah, I know it's really packed, and we got some whack taxes and everything. Right. But we got we got a beach, we got some mountain places, we got it. Lots of we got lots of cities by us We can go to a lot of different places that people in Europe will don't don't have oh my god Center Do not compare country. New
0: Jersey to Europe.
3: No, no, I'm saying I'm saying I have we have we have people that I I know people that live in Germany every time they come here They make sure they go to the beach because they do not have a beach anywhere near them
0: Yeah, but like from an outside perspective New Jersey is pretty great. You know what I mean? You're yes, by Philly yes. You're by New York. There's New Jersey oh, beaches. New Jersey. There's New Jersey Shore like there's yeah. all that kind of but, like, us being residents of New Jersey, we're like, yeah, it's okay. Fun fact, I've been here for 21 years. I would stay here for another 21. I think yes. The answer is yes. It would be worth living in. But I think there's also places that I'd rather live in that also have legal marijuana. So, to wrap it up, uh, I we all support marijuana legalization. I think that can be said for the three of us.
3: Yeah, I, I'm pro it. I very interested to see what actually happens if it does get legalized well
1: you know what guys you gotta vote this november vote this no- yeah. yeah i'm voting this vote yes vote this november and you can legalize it and uh i think we'll leave it at that we'll be right back
0: after the break so here's what you need to know for this week Delaware Senator Chris Coons visited Rowan University to discuss the going-ons of Washington, D.C. and national politics. A member of both the Foreign Relations Committee and Judiciary Committee, Senator Coons is at the epicenter of every major debate in Washington and told RIPAC attendees that he hopes the impeachment inquiry will shed light on some of the shady activities the president has done while in office in a just and objective way. And... President Trump faced criticism from both
3: Republicans and Democrats after he pulled U.S. troops out of northern Syria in defense of the Kurds. Pentagon officials have stated that this was a, quote, "...huge slap in the face of U.S. diplomacy and a blow to U.S. relations with our allies." The Kurds, who were supported by the U.S. and did most of the fighting against ISIS in northern Syria, are now being attacked by Turkey and has caused a diplomatic crisis between the two NATO allies.
0: Every Whiteway is produced by Greg Sharon, Chad Whitman, and Alexander Heller. Our editor is Greg Sharon. Our music is brought to you by Jace Williams of Sweet Pill, and our executive producers are Tara Lonsdorf and Miguel Martinez. That's it for Every Whiteway. Thanks for listening. See you next week.